everybody and welcome to the Sankofa Book Club. We're back after quite the hiatus, as you know, 2020 was a bit mad. 2021 is here now, we're living, we're back. I'm here with my wonderful co-host Melody and <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, we're here with an author, not an author, the author of the book of the month for June. <laughs> she's, she's giving me life, The ba- she's actually in a park via zoom don't you just love technology <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm so pleased to have the author of sankofa here with us on the sankofa book club ladies and gentlemen boys and girls everybody however you identify please welcome chibundu onuzo clap everybody clap <laughs> welcome to the sankofa book club how are you doing thank you i'm very well thank you it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. You're the first author we've had on the book club, um, on the podcast, sorry. So this is a very special moment for us. Mm. We do hope you enjoy your time here. This is a safe space. I think I uh, will. Yay! I love that. <laughs> In fact, the first 10 minutes of this, this conversation has been great, but you guys had to be there. Um, so yeah, this is a safe space. This is super casual. Um, this isn't going to be like your guardian live type podcast or you know any of the formal press you've been doing this is fun (laughs) so welcome to SB relaxed do you like it (laughs) oh yeah I was was waiting for the the rest of what you were gonna say yeah yeah, I like the episode I listened to there's something about like galleries and how you guys are bougie basically what (laughs) (laughs) which episode did you listen to (laughs) queer is happy queer is happy no I'm confused (laughs) she she embraces that? that title no, but was that a 2018 version of myself? Because I wore clothes. I didn't know you were just today. talking. <laughs> uh, you were just talking about like the difference between cultural life in London versus Amsterdam versus wherever. And I was like, okay, this is these are cultured people. It sounds no, like you got a good yeah. episode. You got a good episode because normally I'm talking about food and a lot of nonsense. But anyway, sorry, Melody, how are you doing? We haven't heard from you. I'm I'm good. I'm here with my science self to come bookish, do bookish things. That's great. So I can see you wore your bookish top. I did. <laughs> you know, small, small. Mel dresses fancy <laughs> when we do the podcast. And like I said, I wore clothes. But yes, Chibundu, <laughs> please tell us about yourself and your latest novel, Sankofa. Okay, well, I'm a writer and Sankofa is my third novel. And it is about a woman who's in her 40s who discovers her father, who she's never met, is still alive and living six hours away in West Africa. And so she has to decide whether she's going to go and find him or not. Mm-hmm. I so, must say, it's interesting, though. We've started and yeah. we're liking it. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff. Can you tell us more about yourself, though? Tell us all oh, the okay. fun things about yourself. Yeah, I do okay. want to hear about you. <laughs> I grew up in Nigeria, lived in Nigeria till I was 14. And then I moved to England. I went to boarding school in Winchester, um, an experience which I detailed in a show called 1991, which I had at the South Bank, I think last year and the year before. No, not last year. Nothing happened last year except the pandemic. <laughs> Two years ago and the year before, <laughs> and the year before that. Um, and... Yeah, I've been in England ever since. My first novel came out when I was 21. So I was still an undergraduate student when it came out. 
Yeah, I am still a baby girl, but I was a of course baby, a baby. I was a younger baby girl. I'm now yeah. a, a more mature baby girl. That's I love that. I love that brand. A mature baby girl. I need to start telling people that. Yes, I'm a mature baby girl. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, and I've been sort of writing ever since, trying to figure out this writing career. You know, it's mm. it's um it's something. This creative life. Yeah, I I hear that. Um, how does this novel differ from your previous work? So your debut was The Spider King's Daughter, mm-hmm. followed by Welcome to Lagos. So mm-hmm. what what do you want readers to expect or what sets this apart from what you've previously written? Well, obviously, it's my best book yet. As, as, <laughs> obviously. As book, as book four is going to be my best book yet. And so on and so forth, <laughs> by God's grace. Um. So let me think, what's different about this one? Well, it starts off in England, actually, which is a departure from, for me. So both The Spider King's Daughter and Welcome to Lagos, obviously, are very firmly set in Lagos, where I was born and I grew up. Um, and I think Welcome to Lagos has some bits in England, but I think I, I sort of haven't felt as comfortable setting my fiction here. And mm. now I've lived here for over half my life. It was, it was a bit of a, a thing. When I returned 28, I'm 30 now. When I turned 28, mm. and I was like, wow, I have now lived an equal amount of time in England and in Nigeria. Something momentous is going to happen. And nothing momentous <laughs> happened. And <laughs> life just continued. Um, and so I just sort of thought, yes, I felt ready, ready to, to write a book set in England. Some of it set in England anyway. That's really mm. interesting. Um, so I lived in Ghana for five years and my mm-hmm. youngest brother, when we moved, he was only about five years old. So he also had his recently kind of reached that point where he spent 50% of his life in Ghana and 50% of his life in the UK. Mm-hmm. But I think he also did not have like a spark moment. It just kind of like <laughs> happened, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just kind of continues. And I can see that kind of like, duality whereas I tend to like talk about Ghana like it was a special time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you go back and stuff like that so that's actually Mm. really interesting to hear do you go back to Nigeria often well before the pandemic yes Mm -hmm. I used to try and go back at least once a year sometimes more so my parents live in Nigeria and so does my brother and his family so I have family there I sort of feel very connected so uh, my next question is actually really vague like how do you what, what do you enjoy about the duality of these two cultures now that you're kind of about 50-50? Mm. Um, I mean, what are the best bits of, of being, you know, living in the UK? What are the best bits of still being able to connect to Nigeria? I mean, I we go off topic all the time, but trust me, we'll, no, we'll, still, no, no, we'll, we'll get to, back yeah, to the other it, points. But yeah, yeah. yeah, this is something <laughs> that we find really interesting. Yeah. One of the best things of being British, I think I naturalised a couple of years ago, that British passport, it is very <laughs> cool in life. It is so useful. If you have ever traveled on a Nigerian passport, traveling, yeah, on, traveling on it, yes, it's, it's so, oh, you don't know the story. Oh, so you, oh, I guess you you guys are proper British, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no. So I'm I'm the proper British one, innit? Oh, Mel yeah. is proper British. <laughs> yeah, Mel proper is proper British. British. <laughs> South London, born and bred. <laughs> she now lives up north. Come she loves on. it there. <laughs> 
I see myself as a global citizen. Oh, with a British passport. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I just I wish I was from somewhere else, but really and truly I'm British as well. <laughs> but no, tell us. Oh, the difference is clear, you know. The, oh, the difference is so clear. And um, so that's that's sort of been been very nice. Um and I think also actually different things sipping, okay. The travel stuff, that's definitely a perk. But also like you imbibe things without knowing, actually. So I remember when I went to Nigeria um after maybe about 10 years living here and i was standing on a queue and this human being Uh-oh. just jumped the queue to stand mm-hmm. in front of me it was in the shops and basically i had a lot of shopping and he only had one bottle of coke or something and so in his mind he thought that why should i wait behind this woman with all this shopping when um, i just have one bottle of coke so he just jumped the queue ahead of me. It is at this point I realized I have become British because I almost had a heart attack yeah. in that shop. I said, you want to jump the queue? Oh, no, no, we are going to fight here. To- excuse me. Excuse me. I am in the queue. There is a queue. Okay. Can't you see there's a queue here? Hello? <laughs> there is a queue. Um, and he was like, hey, I only have one thing. I said, oh, so you, you didn't think to ask me I have the right of this space in the queue. It is my God-given right. And you cannot, <laughs> you cannot take my God-given right without my permission. And then the, I think the cashier, Lagos is be so annoying. The cashier was like, Madam, it's okay now. It's what? okay. It's just one thing. He just allowed him. I think I allowed him in the end, but I was very annoyed. So yes, that's my, my oh, wow. Wow, but I, mean, I still I'm worse. I, I don't say anything when things like that happen. I just eye roll. Oh, really? I'll text. I mean, that's people. That's like, very oh. British. That's <laughs> passive aggressive Britishness. It's oh. only if you are arrogant with your jumping of the queue that I have to then give you a bit more oh. energy. But otherwise, passive aggressive are queer. That's Remember, me. this is Lagos. People are not going to notice your passive aggression. <laughs> you, you, you gotta give it full aggression, or they just think, is there something wrong with her eyes? Madam, is your eye okay? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, okay, that's that's actually really, that's so funny. We've all had those moments. Mel will be having them this December when she goes to Ghana. Oh, I will nice. get her a drink she doesn't want. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. Oh, you two, you're going to do your own Sankofa then. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be exciting as well because for me, I haven't been back to Ghana for about 12 years now. Oh. So it's it's going to be a culture shock, I know. But I think I am eager to kind of see my peoples again, my land, mm. um, and see how my adult self fits in okay. in that environment. Mm. And bring back some good old Ghanaian energy back with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you come back slower, you know. You walk slower. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that fits quite well with the northern life if i was in okay. london i'll struggle but in sheffield just come um so you so, write come back maybe. did you hear that mel you can finally become a writer <laughs> so do you know what this that was shade joke. by the way this was real, real shade so in, in my spare time mm-hmm. the sparest of my spare time i write poetry just for a select few people and since then a clear <laughs> Since she's discovered it, she's trying to get me to write more. It's no, that's, not good that's half the story. Chibundu, as I mentioned, 
that was my cousin so when we were younger i think we're about like four or five we went to disneyland for the weekend with my parents mal documented the three-day weekend in a journal we were children she documented the whole thing i played because that's what you're supposed to do when you go on holiday (laughs) and i was a year younger i didn't have the vocab she had when my mom discovered that mel had written diary entries every day she said you need to go and backlog you need to go write some as well I was like, no, we're not on oh, holiday wow. anymore. It's over. And then it became a thing where I had to do it. It suddenly turned into homework. And then when we started the book club, Mel was really, really nervous because Mel is a PhD yeah. scientist. She does mm. stuff with polymers and At chemistry. So five years ago. Yeah. She, she was really, really nervous about doing this. I was like, yeah, we can do it. All we need to do is chat. We chat every day. We just chat about books. It's going to be great. And throughout this journey, she's been so adverse to like identifying as a literary person. So for me to discover that she's writing poetry in the background, she's actually just gone back to who she was back in 1960. The girl who journaled Disneyland Paris. So get ready, Mel. You'll be writing Sankofa too. You already have a mentor in Shibundu. I don't know why you're complaining. And you already have a podcast to promote. Here we go. Here we go. Thanks. Thanks for the encouragement, guys. We will see. (laughs) Watch this space. So that's Mel's publishing journey. I had a question about your publishing journey. So Mm -hmm. I work in publishing myself. I've now kind of gotten to see how it works in the background. And you were signed as young as 19. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. I mean, When I was 19, I think I'd done an essay writing competition and that was it. That was me thinking mm. I was a top tier writer. You actually got signed to a real publisher. So tell us about that journey. How did it happen? How did it feel as well, having such a great opportunity at such a young age? Yeah, it, I was a very serious minded um, 19 year old. I think I was very serious in my 20s. I'm about to become I don't even know what a reality TV star in my 30s. I'm tired of that serious <laughs> life. But in my, as a, as a 19-year-old, I was, very, I was very serious-minded. So, like, I I'd wanted to get published. I've been writing, so I started my first novel when I was 10. And then I sort of started it seriously. I went on the family computer and I was like, I'm writing my novel. Do not disturb. Um, wow. And for the most part, people took me seriously. So I was the youngest in my family. I had cousins living with us, but no one was allowed to kick me off the computer even when Chibundu was writing her novel. Very serious pursuit. Um, and so my family encouraged the talent. And I remember when I was 14, um, Helen Oyeye, I don't know if you've heard of her. She got a book deal when she was really young as well. She wrote a book called The Icarus Girl. That was her first book. And I remember my sister in like in <laughs> Nigerian encouragement strategy. See Helen Oyeyemi? She has a book deal at 16. She does not have two heads. She does not have two heads. So she, <laughs> she bought me a book when I was 14 called The Writers and Artists Yearbook, which I recommend sort of heavily to anyone that wants to be a writer. They publish it every year, has a list of agents, editors, publishing houses, how to approach agents, most most mm. importantly. So the um, Writers and, and Artists Yearbook, you say? Yes, yes. Mm. I heavily, heavily recommend for anyone who's thinking of sort of going down that traditional publishing route. Um, and so I started sending my work to agents from, I think when I was maybe 15, 14, 15, and I got like my first rejection letter. It was for a collection of short stories. And I was like, Jack, 
they rejected me. When I win the Nobel Prize, these people are going to regret. They will regret it forever, ever, never. I love never. that. I love that. <laughs> Markets on the wall, me. as my mom would say. Yes, exactly. Me, they reject a whole me. Yes, and um, and so I mean, so I did sort of try, attempt a couple of times to get an agent, and so the Spider King's daughter wasn't my first thing that I tried to get published, and. Um, mm-hmm. And, but it worked, you know, I sent a sample to an agent, they liked it, I hadn't finished it at the point, but just the fact that they liked it encouraged me to then sort of finish the novel. And it went from there, I didn't really know what to expect. I think the publishing, I don't know, it's, I feel like it's sort of shrouded in mystery. So like, I didn't, it is, I didn't really know. Yeah, I after you get, agree. Yes, after you get an agent, then you work on the novel with them. And then after you get an editor, I just, every step was a surprise to me, basically, even despite reading this right as an artist year book. I, I, I thought your editor was the one who made the corrections or your book. I thought they were so skilled that they could change into any writer's writing style and then make the changes for you. And then I discovered, no, you make all the changes <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, and um. It was exciting and it was also overwhelming because um, you sort of want something for so long. And sort of life has this way of being an anticlimax. I think when you, th- whenever you think that when you get something you've wanted for so long, then everything in your life will make sense and this, that, and the mm. other. Life does not work like that, you know. So, like, I'm a mm. Christian and definitely sort of, like, Woo-hoo. my faith has helped to get things in perspective. That, like, the only thing that can fulfill you like the the you that cannot be fulfilled by book deals and all of that that is sort of like my faith in jesus and all of that that Mm. that that is something that's eternal that i need to fulfill the thing inside me that's eternal so anyway there was this sort of like anticlimactic thing of it because you know it was like i wanted it for so long and then i got this and it was like okay (laughs) <laughs> and then the journey yeah. kind of starts and then again. the journey begins exactly. yeah. there's no end there's yeah. no end yeah. there's actually there's actually no end i think that's sort of and it's it's that's an important thing to learn at 19 actually so mm. you don't spend your life chasing things and thinking like this is the thing you sort of you need to get things and it's something i have to remind myself sort of continually you need to get you know, you have heavy ambitions, you want to do this, you want to do that, but don't ever take any sort of achievement and say, this is the thing that's going to give um, my life meaning. Like, mm. what gives my life? And I, I, so I say to myself, I'm not my achievements, it's sort of all sort of mantras to, to bear in mind that um, there's a part of me that is eternal and that is loved outside of anything I do or anything I achieve. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm. This is one of those things. When I listen back to the podcast, I'm gonna feel fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, this is why we do what we do because mm. yeah, that's what you're saying is is so important, and it's it's mm. great to be ambitious and to be able to achieve all the different things you want to achieve. But mm-hmm. what is really your source? Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is going to be eternal? So yeah, thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing. Yeah, that's welcome. Dope. You can come back whenever you want, by the way. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you ever need podcast practice. Ah, yes, please. Come come to us. Yeah. Yes, please. You are welcome. All right. I I want us to segue into um, the accompanying video that we got the privilege to watch that I'm right in thinking it accompanies your book, right? Yes. Yes. It's my book soundtrack. 
Nice. Come on. So, <laughs> visually, I think it's, we said it was brilliant. Love we the colors. We were stunned. Love, <laughs> I like, was anyways. Yeah, it's simplistically production-wise, I think it's quite, um, sorry, production-wise, I think it's quite simplistic, but it mm-hmm. holds so much meaning. Thank um, you. But yeah, we would love for you to kind of share more behind what what it's about. Why did you decide to do it? Okay, so I have been singing my whole life. When I was 17, I was runner up in a national singing competition. It was a gospel singing competition. Can we be best friends? J- I don't know. Called- <laughs> we sing on the podcast as well. We I'm sing to you. And I'm just you? Like, yeah. You're like the better Nigerian version of me. Like, let's do I know. this. that's true especially after what you just said i know that i believe that okay sorry continue wow (laughs) so it was called j factor you know like the x factor but the j was for jesus give me a (laughs) okay so (laughs) why do christians do this J was for Jesus. The Jesus factor. You will have the wow. Jesus factor in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, <laughs> so I was runner up when I was sixteen, and it was a fairly, it was fairly. Big. I didn't know what to expect when I, when I signed up for it, but it was, it was, it was fairly big. It was sort of like in, like it was only one day, the final sort of thing, but there were like sort of A and R people there, and I came second and. I think the person who won was a trip to America to record and this is that and the other. I didn't win that, but I got a lot of sort of like attention from it. And so I got scouted by a record label and I went with my dad. I'll never forget my my parents live in Nigeria. And then these people were like, oh, they really want to talk to me. They like my music. They like my singing, my vibe. And I'd also, one of the, one of the songs I sang at the competition, I wrote myself. So they were, and I played the piano as well. So they were very impressed by that, you know, Alicia Keys style. Uh-huh. Come on. So <laughs> they called me into this um, thing. So we had this meeting with them, this record label, and they were sort of very keen. And I remember I went there and I see this, sang the song for them. They, they liked it. I, I remember sitting, I went there with my dad, we sat down together. We were just looking at them. I've never seen this type of thing before. So I can't remember what we discussed in the meeting. What I do remember was that everybody there, every single person there was a man. And there were oh. sort of many like in their 30s. Mm. And, you know, like my dad's quite a spiritual person. And I guess he just didn't like the vibe. He didn't like the vibe of like his 16-year-old daughter. And I wasn't even in London at the time, sort of coming down on the weekends to be recording in this sort of environment. And I think he was actually spot on. Um, it's, I think the music industry can be can be a dangerous place for young people especially when you're not sure who you are this is that and the other then you can be easily influenced or easily told oh you need to do this to be successful you need to do that mm. you know like you know you need to wear these pants on stage to be successful <laughs> now at my age if i don't want to wear pants you cannot make me wear absolutely pants, you know? not <laughs> yeah you can't cross her in the queue exactly. you can't yeah. force her exactly. to do anything she doesn't exactly. want to do exactly you can't force her to do anything i want to do you, you know who born you <laughs> you know but at that age you know and sort of like the layer of it so definitely I, it was an environment that i found um, um overwhelming and i would say this like obviously go for opportunities when you can but at the same time, I don't ever sort of believe that, you know, like this is only your one chance in life to do anything. 
I also believe the opportunities come from God. So like, if the timing is not right for whatever reason, it will come again. Nobody can hold me to the ransom and say, mm. if you don't do this thing now, then you're never going to be able to do it. And I mean, to be fair, that's sort of how it felt because I had sort of done this competition and then nothing really came from, from, my, from my music. And I'm telling you, for years after, for years after, people who'd seen me at J Factor, they'd be like, but where's your album? Where's uh-huh. your song? It, you know, like Nigerians in their negative motivation, your mates, your mates are releasing <laughs> albums. <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Are they? <laughs> that, is, that is the way they want to motivate you. Oh, and gosh. I also couldn't see, and also then this um, also, also sort of writing took off, and I couldn't see how to marry the two. And especially in this country, you know, sometimes it almost seems like, you know, people don't like you to do two things, you know, mm. so it's like yeah. everybody should just stay in their lane. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was still trying to figure out how I wanted to incorporate sort of music into my writing life. I remember singing at one of my events in, um, I went to a literary festival somewhere, and I sang. And can you imagine the first question from an audience member? He raised, the guy had the guts to raise his hand at my event. And he asked me, excuse me, I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled. Um, why did you sing? Can you imagine? Oh. Exactly. I said, mm. did you know? and I didn't know how to respond. I just said, I, I wanted to. But afterwards, you know, thinking back, sometimes my reaction can be delayed. I said, because I can. That <laughs> is what I sang. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's don't like if there are other events happening at this festival can you leave my events and go yeah. when they're not singing um, <laughs> he said he was puzzled then, yes. and he needed to know why you were he singing he was puzzled he, he needed to know why i was singing I said, but can you not hear with your listening ears that i can sing that's why i sang yeah <laughs> so i sort of had to sort of figure out how um and like and sometimes you have those voices in your head like you are now only you waka everything you want to do everything you want to carry and i'm like yes yeah. everything i want to carry you talk back to that voice yes this talent god gave me for a reason so i must use them i yeah. must use them so, come on yes so. <laughs> you're giving me so much life i'm gonna go literally. outside and paint a mural after this <laughs> literally yeah you've, so, you've raised you've raised so many valid points i think mm-hmm. I, I don't know why people are so pressed to be linear. Like, why mm. do we have to just do one thing? And maybe because there's comfort in that, right? Mm. There's a space that you probably, you're um, exploring. Mm-hmm. And so if you are, if you have less to contend with, you can be like, okay, I can just focus on trying to be my best mm. in this. I can definitely relate to this. And I'm sure listeners mm. as well would feel the same way. Um, do you think mm. it's it's cultural because Mel and I were chatting the other day um, mm. in the UK you choose your degree when you're 17 years old applying mm, mm. to go to university mm-hmm. you write mm-hmm. one essay you send it to five universities out of the mm-hmm. hundreds of universities that there are in the UK whereas in yeah. the US it's like oh you can decide what you want to do after your first yes, year yes, then yes, you, you decide yes, your major yes. later so mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if it's something you know like that we see more in the UK as well that you know okay so now that you've gotten this qualification you have to go on and do because mm. I know I've wrestled with that I mm. I'm not working in the career that I, I studied in in uni um but before mm. I got there I knew I needed to have a plan I needed to put it together and make it make sense somehow but the older I get the more I become a mature baby girl the more I realize mm-hmm. I am going to do whatever I want to do 
and I'm gonna yeah. do it well. <laughs> and if I'm mm-hmm. not doing it well, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. As long mm-hmm. as it makes me happy. And I know mm. that it's, you know, it's a blessing to other people as well. But because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Mel and I have definitely had times because this is something yeah. that we do in addition to our day jobs. We've had times where like, do we need to keep doing this? But you have one conversation with one person that listens that mm. doesn't need to be loyal to you, that isn't necessarily a friend, and we're like, okay, let's go. We're doing this for another 20 mm-hmm. years. Here's the plan, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of like the multi-dimensional all the different avenues and different things that are in you kind of reassuring yourself that you can even though someone mm-hmm. in the crowd might ask you why if you know that you can mm-hmm. do it why not mm, yeah definitely 100 so, so mel true. keep that writing though keep keep that oh. writing <laughs> Do you know what? Exactly. I am gonna write. So, guys, you heard it first. Mel will be an author. On record. On record. Oh, I'm gonna send this to my mum as well. <laughs> Come but on, Mel. also, on the record, also know that I I go by vibes. So if I don't want to do it, I just won't. This is and true. Mel lives why. entirely by vibes. <laughs> Very I true. I want to. <laughs> um, I want to know more about um, just from a creative perspective. Because mm-hmm. so I'm a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with paints. It doesn't sound that glamorous, but it actually is quite fun on most days. Um, so I really admire the creative mind, especially for you, where you can write, you sing. Um, I'm sure you might do many other creative things as well. So you have all of these tools in your back pocket. How do you know which one you want to use to portray something? Hmm. So let's say, was was that clear? Mm, keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's say for the so you wrote the book Sankofa right um mm-hmm. and I've got another question that will help probably unpick that more um but then you have the accompanying song to go with it too how did you know you wanted to write a book in that form first and then what led you to think okay I can write a song to go with it mm. how does your sort so, of creative mm-hmm. process go yeah I mean, so writing, you know, writing, writing the book, like that's sort of like my, has been my sort of job since I was, so I've always sort of, I have the next sort of book that I'm working on now um, and so on and so forth. So like that, that has always been, that's, that's just sort of like my work. I write books, but I also sing, that's not my work yet, but why not? Multiple streams have been coming, 2021. But um, my friend said to me, his name is Simeon, Simeon Otumi. He said to me in January 2020, I remember, um, because I was like, oh, I need to do some more stuff with my music. I'd done the show in 1991 at the South Bank and I'd sung mostly covers, but I just enjoyed it so much. I was like, I want to do more stuff with my music. So I go into the studio with Simeon and first Simeon is the master of shade. Like, so first (laughs) of all, I sent him a text in January saying, I want to record in January. And he was like, hmm. You January people have come with your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I tell you, shit, It's upsetting because shit. he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 100% gospel truth that was. Simeon saw you. But anyway, he was like, fine, whatever. Come, come into the studio. So I come into the studio and, you know, we do we just do a pilot recording that's what they call them where you just do a rough guide to the songs you want to do and again he's throwing shade all three he's like see your voice your voice is croaky when was the last time you sang properly wow <laughs> i love him he's my best he's one of he's, he's such a good friend because like he will give you all the shade but he will always help you so mm. you know he let me come into his studio 
So we did the pilot recording and say so where we sat down, he said, What are you doing with your music? What are you doing with your music? Why don't you release a song with your next book? When's your next book coming out? Release a song with it. And I was like, mm, I don't really have any any songs. I have I've written songs, I've been writing songs since I was a teenager, but I don't have anything that fits the themes of this book. And I was like, hey, but why don't you write? But I was like, mm, I don't have time. So at this point, my book was supposed to come out last year, June 2020. But then you know, a pandemic happened, innit? So yeah. first of all, my book was then scheduled to come out this year. And then also everybody now had a lot of time. You know, if there's one thing we all had last year, yeah. Yeah. it was time, time and abundant time. So yes, I had a whole year to write one song. Um, and I started it. I sort of had like a, 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 just a line in my father's city. That's the first line of the song. There's a green street sign with my father's name on it. This is actually true. There's a street mm. in Nigeria named after my dad. They, yes, <laughs> put some sauce on it. Put some, what, what do you call it? Is it what? Respect. Is it what? Is, is What's it? that sauce you have in Ghana? Shito. Put Shito. Some yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it was still sort of in the back of my head. And then Chadwick Boseman died. And just seeing like what he meant for the culture. I'm not so much that usually I would say, like it's obviously sad when celebrities die, but I'm not someone that I would like say I particularly grieve or mourn over, um, especially when it's with somebody I don't know. It's just like, oh, that's sad because he's a human being. But that one really, really affected me. And then watching all the videos and the shock yeah. of it and nobody knew he was ill. And then thinking, oh, wow. So when he did Black Panther, he knew he was it was so, so suddenly everything he did suddenly had even more significance and um so yeah i just sort of had this uh, and then i listened to um that song from selma one day when the glory comes mm-hmm. it will be us ah, that song always gets me in my feelings you know i was just i was feeling very black feeling very african and then i was like yeah this this is what sankofa the novel these are the things that, mm. that the novel is sort of talking about ancestry identity heritage all of that um and so yeah I sort of wrote the first verse and the chorus and it burst then I finished it and then I think also this is just to people who want especially if you want to enter into like news creative spheres I think sometimes what is daunting is you're like well how am I how am I how am I how am I going to how am I going to I've never released a song before yes but you can always start with the thing that is closest to you um so for example i want to i want to make an album eventually and that seems very daunting sort of like 10 songs but then what is closest to me is i have a piano in my house i can sit down and write this song that's the first step yeah you know so before yeah. you think about step number three step number four you know do the one that is closest to you um so yes i sat down and i wrote the song and then i then did a rough recording of it which i did for free and then i then looked for a producer and then after I did, you know, sort of recorded the song. And then I said, right, I want to shoot a music video. And then I then looked for a director. And then I called in every favor. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. favor. Every, every favor. Because it, it was self-funded. So, you know, yeah. I was doing yeah. things on my own diet. So every favor. You know, like some people, um, he sort of did work sort of pro bono for That's how I call it. Like I'm a charity. Yeah. <laughs> they did work. <laughs> for me yeah. but like you know I, I think i paid them in in hampers you know i sent them thank you hampers like every favor you know all the people in the video my friends and i think christina yeah. Hurugu was the video the olympian she was on um, a zoom call with me and it was not one of those it was quite a wide panel and i did a cheeky thing <laughs> the person that was emailing everybody on the panel 
they made the mistake of letting us see everybody's emails. I collected her emails. I said, Christine! Christine! <laughs> oh, it was so nice to be on a panel. Please come and be in my music video. And she very kindly, she very, very kindly agreed. Um, so yeah, basically called in every, every favor. And um, yeah, we put it together. And it, it was, I just wanted to celebrate you know our culture black people like i, I remember mm. one of my friends he watched it was like oh wow that um you know like it's just so nice to see like black families so 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 yeah. smiling being happy you know nobody's being there's you know it's all the sort of negative stories that you, that you can see sometimes about being black british you know it's like no yeah. we are here we're thriving and there's so many i mean obviously christine is one of the more famous people but you know there are doctors in the video my friends who are architects you know mm. um my friends who are lawyers i have a friend who's a qc in it like we're multifaceted and we excel in every industry come on yeah. that's what Did i was I gonna put say margaret it- busby in there as well Yes, Margaret Busby. That yes, that hit yes. me because I I said to Mel, obviously Mel's a scientist. I'm like, you don't know who she is, but she's but the she reason think. why people <laughs> like me can be in publishing. Yeah. Like she did yeah. it first. So that yeah. that was that was really special when I was watching that. And I could see, I could tell like it was like you said, it's friends and family, but also mm-hmm. really important people for the culture, mm-hmm. like you say. Mm-hmm. So it was a brilliant expression. I, I really it really enjoyed was. It. It gave to be me honest, like Mel and I were nervous. I was like, "Is it going to be good? <laughs> Has she just done this because she wants to do something cool?" And then it started. I was like, "Ooh, it started!" <laughs> <laughs> I think I said to her, "Should we watch it now so that we can like just get it out of our system in case no. we don't like it?" We loved it. We but absolutely then, loved it. I mean, with that, like with anything creative, I feel like it's not as you can't describe it as black and white. Is is this good? Is is this bad? It's mm. just about whether it caters to your taste buds. Mm, mm, um, that's true. And it definitely gave me vibes. Okay, let me know of bigger. It's quite anthemic. Yeah, like yes, yeah, it did. Like Black Pride. Um, just seeing the joy, seeing the beauty. I love mm. the colors. I I just love symbolism of like colors for <laughs> black people. It suits our skin tones. And all oh, I have things. to say this actually. So the backgrounds. God, I can't remember yeah. what to say this. So the background. So everyone's standing except me when I'm dancing around. But everyone's standing against like a colored background. And I was inspired by the Black is Beautiful series that Kwame Braithwaite did. He was a photographer in the US in, in the 60s. You should look up his, his pictures online. Mm. And he just decided he was not happy with how Black people were being represented in the media. And so he decided to just start taking pictures of his friends. And he would put them in front of plain color backgrounds, so sometimes red, blues, mm. all of that. And they would he would just take these very, very beautiful pictures of them. And he started he started a whole movement. Mac is beautiful. She looked him up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh, do. This is so wholesome. You've it it, it really is. <laughs> you've you've touched on how so many things have influenced what what it sounds like your um your creative writing process for Sankofa. Mm-hmm. Um so like your faith, I'm sure. Um mm-hmm just your experience from being published at 19, what you've learned mm-hmm. over the years, and then also the context of the book, writing it from historical perspective and the mm-hmm. protagonist walking through to find out like who her father is and where she's from. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wondered if there was a way for you to describe what the title Sankofa means for you, what would that be mm-hmm. like? Am I, is it right that it draws upon all of those experiences or is it something completely different for you? I think I just like what it means like I like how it's so it's so deep it captures Mm. so much so much depth with just sort of like 
I feel like it should be a concept that has the same stature as like, you know, like, you know how yin and yang, you know, yeah. people sort of, when you say that word, you, it means sort of pull out, pull out opposites or, and then, or like karma, you know, this idea of what you saw, you reap that. I just feel like there's some concepts that are embodied in one word mm. that sort of have this global reach. And I definitely feel Sankofa, you know, should be one of them. Just that idea mm. of you can't move forward if you forget what's in the past. You have to keep moving forward. You can't just stay in the past, but it's not one or the other. And I think, you know, you're, you're seeing that struggle um, in England and around this whole debate around slavery and like statues, et cetera, et cetera, with people saying, oh, you just forget it. You know, it happened so long ago. No, we cannot forget it. We cannot stay there, but we can't, mm-hmm. we have to move forward, but we cannot forget it. It's both. And I feel like if you only have one, one aspect, then you're going to, you're going to crumble. So if you say, I'm only going to move forward, I'm never going to get, for, get any, for, remember anything in the past. Yeah, Wahala is waiting for you. If you say, I'm only going to stay in the past and I'm not going to move forward. Wahala is also waiting for you. You need both. Wahala is trouble. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for the people that don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've got my last question really. And it's mm-hmm. in two parts. What did this book teach you? And what would you like it to teach others? Hmm, what did this book teach me? So, like, if so, um, I was I was building for you guys, but you haven't see, I haven't read it, but um, you haven't read up to the end. But um, I think you're sort of getting to the end, and there's a scene at the end which just basically like we're, we're from somewhere, sure. like you know, we sort of this idea of sort of lineage, mm-hmm. ancestry, um, and it can give you confidence basically that like yeah you're from you're from somewhere and i think a lot of the times especially when you're black in this sort of context um you can buy into the lie that you know you are not from somewhere you know your people have never created anything that is worthy or created anything that is worthy of merit or worthy of sort of lauding um yeah, it's Elisha, basically. Um, and I think it's yeah, sort of getting guess, to the end. There's, there's a scene at the end there. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm standing here today because of all the work that people put in behind me, all the work that my parents put in behind me. Um, and it's like I said it in, in, at the back of my first book, that, you know, it takes a village to write, write a book. Um, and of course, like every success that I have, um, you see my name on the book you know but you know my parents worked hard and struggled hard to pay my school fees mm-hmm. you know my sister encouraged me and brought the writers and artists yearbook um there are just so many people along the line on my journey my grandmother you know and you know she was married three times she had a difficult life she made sure all her children were a success they are just so so when you see me here today you know i'm mm-hmm. the product of yeah, I'm the product of, of, of greatness. And we, we all have that if we go back and look in our stories. Um, and so, yeah, nobody should ever make you feel like there's, there's one lineage. You know, there are some people, you know, that hit, hit the jackpot with ancestry. And there are mm. others that, oh, hey, yeah, sorry, oh, so, sorry, you know. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. We are from somewhere, yeah. Sha. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we are, oh. 
Oh, this concludes our interview today. Chibundi, thank you so much. I feel so refreshed. I'm going to reflect on this the whole day. I'll probably call Mel immediately after. Um, (laughs) Just to soak this in. This has been wonderful. We do hope you come back. Oh, yeah, honestly. The invitation was real. The invitation was real. Also, usually when we record in person, we would go for coffee or lunch beforehand. So you still have a coffee or a lunch on us. Um just like let us know and we'll make it happen yeah it would Mel, be great to see come you. to london yes Mel. Uh, gosh uh sometime in july and august okay we'll, yeah, we'll, let's do we'll it. plan we'll plan yeah. yeah let's do it let's do yeah. it Yay, wonderful um yeah where can people keep in touch with you find more about you we'll put a link to purchase the book in the description but if you have a preferred like shop retailer any any last words to sign off from the Sankofa Book Club today? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at chibundu.onuzo, on Twitter at chibundu.onuzo, and on YouTube. I think I'm also chibundu.onuzo. There, um, I've just started my YouTube career. I said when I get when I get to a thousand followers, I'm going to post a video which I've already recorded about all the times I've been mistaken for Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. How? So if you are no, Wait, what? Who did if, that? Nare, what? <laughs> if, if you want to hear that gist, yeah. then go and subscribe to my... I'm about to create my... all the accounts myself because that, that, yeah, because that I doesn't hear make sense. This is silly. Not, it did not make sense to me also. But there we have it. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again, guys. As we mentioned, Sankofa is our book of the month. Might be our best book ever because it's a great name. It's good to name yeah. things Sankofa. <laughs> <Very we love brand. laughs> um, and we get you. We we love where this yeah. book is going so far. So yeah, we're looking forward to discussing that. So everybody grab your copies. And we will catch you on that book podcast. Bye. Peace.